Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to Off The Bench. It's the best weekend of footy. Prelim final weekend is upon us. Paul Hazelby, the former Fremantle Dockers champion over 200 games. A 2003 All-Australian NAB Rising Star winner. And, of course, a four-time Ross Glendinning medalist joins myself, Ben Cameron, here on Off The Bench. Should be good afternoon, Hayes. Good afternoon to you, Ben, and everybody out there. And didn't I love the prelim final weekend mm. as a player? Across my career, guess how many I got to play in? None. You guessed it. It is none. The Fremantle Dockers got there once, but unfortunately I was injured at that point in time. Do you reckon that's causal? Or do you reckon that's a coincidence? That was a coincidence, absolutely. <laughs> I played in the first final. It wasn't a big part of that. Uh, the reason we made the finals that year. I didn't have a great season. You had OP, didn't you? Osteitis, pubis, a lot of injections throughout the year. And to play the first final, we actually had 16 injections just to get up on game day. So quite painful. Then went off for surgery. The team charged on. They beat Melbourne. They then lost to Sydney in the prelim final. But you're right. It is the best weekend of footy. There's so much on the line. To the loser, they've come so close, but they don't get into the grand final final to the winner, a lot of emotion, and it starts the big build-up again to the grand final. You don't have all of the corporate hangers-on, so it's all of the football fans, and it is the most pure weekend of football that you can experience uh, in a season prelim final weekend. We've got so much to get through in uh, the next couple of hours. We'll have a chat to Mitch Cleary. So much trade news bubbling around. We had the launch of Trade Radio during the week, so we'll, uh, we'll run through all of that. We'll have all of your analysis of the two big prelims coming up. The team news will analyse the ins and the outs, and uh, we've got the Waffle Grand Final to look forward to this weekend as well, and you'll be a part of the broadcast on Channel 7 for all of the action, Hayes. Yeah, looking forward to that. Subiac, a remarkable season. They're going to go through undefeated. It hasn't been done since 1946, and you'd think in this day and age it wouldn't even come close to happening, but it is going to happen. I think West Perth have been gallant. What a fight to make it to the grand final, but they're a class above Subiac. I think they're almost eight goals better than any team in the competition on any given day. They've been a fantastic team throughout season 2018. I've got to say as well, Hayes, if I if I break into a sneezing fit or anything of the like over the next couple of hours, just uh, whack me and tell me to keep going because on my drive in today, I, I've got a bit of a cold at the moment and I'm, I'm comparing my performance today to Michael Jordan's flu game. Mate, just battling through with This bravery. is prelim final weekend. You have to find something. Don't think, do. That's what the great Yabby Jeans used to say, and I think it's good advice to you today. Are we going to get into our predictions that we normally do? Big call to start the big us off, call. Hey, well, so my big call go. last week was around the Melbourne Football Club, and they continued on. Big win, and now they advance to take on the West Coast Eagles. I'm not jumping off Melbourne. I think they will go into the grand final and challenge Richmond for this year's premiership. They'll be too good for the West Coast Eagles. I feel like I should make a, a football prediction this weekend, but I, I actually think that the West Coast Eagles will win and Richmond will win and then Richmond will beat them in the grand final. So I don't feel like there's a big call for me to be made there with something that I, I truly believe in. But I, what I might go with as my big call, just quickly, is Jack Redden to uh, to be the highest possession getter for the West Coast Eagles in the match uh, tomorrow. The reason being, I think Harms will go to Elliot Yo. And he'll be tagged for probably the first time in his career. And I think Redden, who's had a tremendous season, will uh, will be the highest possession getter for the West Coast Eagles in uh, what I think will actually be a, a hard-fought 
and close win over Melbourne, and they'll play Richmond on grand final day. And unfortunately for them, I think they'll be done on the uh, the last Saturday in September by the uh, the Tigers. So you think West Coast will win this weekend? Yeah, I do think they'll win. And Jack Redden will have a great game. He's had a terrific season, hasn't he? And he looks like the player that won't get too much defensive pressure put into him. And a couple of other big calls. I think this will be a big summer for Ashton Turner. He started tremendously uh, on, what was it? Wednesday for the uh, the WA team in the JLT Community Cup and Josh Philippi to be the breakthrough player in uh, domestic cricket this year as well on a cricketing front. So much more to come. You're listening to Off the Bench. Great to have you with us on this Friday, Arvo. You're listening to Off the Bench. Paul Hayes will be in myself, Ben Cameron, and we're not too far away from the prelim finals getting underway. It is Collingwood and Richmond tonight at the MCG and the West Coast Eagles and Melbourne tomorrow afternoon at Optus Stadium. Paul Hazelby, can you believe that it's been 38 years since Richmond and Collingwood met in a final and they will do that tonight at the G? It is amazing. 1980. But if you reflect on our local clubs, have they ever met in a final series yet? And they've been in the competition together for almost 25 years. So it's difficult to do. Sometimes you have teams that are up there for a long time while the other team's down there. Collingwood's had a little bit of success. Not a lot through that period, mind you. And certainly Richmond, well, they've been down the bottom for a long time. Their last couple of years have been brilliant. I think they'll be up the top for a number of years to come. There hasn't been a showdown final either, I don't mm. believe, in South Australia. We've had a couple of Sydney derbies uh, in recent years. We've had one over the last couple of years. But, no uh, Q clashes. Yeah, definitely no Q clashes <laughs> in the finals, Paul Hazelby. Now, you've got all of the team news ahead of the matches tomorrow. No change for Collingwood and Richmond, so pretty settled sides. Yeah, they are, and that's good to go into the finals with the same side. A lot of confidence there, but there was a forced change for the West Coast Eagles. Brad Shepard unluckily going out at the last hurdle. He's got that hamstring injury. He's gone for surgery. Will Schofield, the logical replacement all week, and he has come into the team. He was very unlucky, wasn't he, to miss out. I think he gives them great flexibility. He can play on the taller players, but he can also play on some of the quicker, smaller players, which will be important. And for Melbourne, Bailey Fritz. What about this story? A favourite of mine, Bailey Fritz. I loved him. He was in my supercoach team all year. good decisions, kicks it well. I reckon he's been a really solid defender for them this year. 23 games for the season. I will say he has just tailored off a little Mm. bit towards the back end of the season, as young players do. He's been replaced by Joel Smith. Now, Joel Smith is a defender. He's only played the seven games, about 191 centimetres. I think that speaks more about their concern with the West Coast Eagles forward line. Kennedy, Darling, Vardy and Lysett down there. Put the two names together. See what I did there? Yeah, combination. Yeah, so I think he's come in to play that role. Like Brangelina with Brad and Angelina and uh, other celebrities when they... Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad combined player. But uh, I I think you're exactly right. It speaks to the concern about the West Coast Eagles forward line, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And they are a good forward line. I love what they're doing, the West Coast Eagles. If they get enough supply, they can't be beaten. That's the big question. How good is Melbourne midfield going to be the third week in a row against a top-class team in the West Coast Eagles? But if they get the supply, they win the Eagles. What did you make of the story surrounding Dustin Martin this week? So he had a corky. Now, it was just a corky, if you will, but it did bleed into his knee and give him a little bit of referred pain. So there is a bit of an issue there for Dusty. Absolutely it's an issue. hasn't been out of train since the last game too often. And, uh, you know, some players struggle without training. I don't think it'll affect him too much. He's got a good volume of work through him in the last couple of seasons. And he's one of those players that if he needs to, he can play in the forward line. And that wouldn't be the worst scenario. Because this year, they just haven't relied on him through the midfield. They've got so much coverage. And a lot of the lesser names that have really stepped up through the midfield for the Tigers, he'll play and... 
He'll play well because he's a gun player. So much more for us to get through here on Off the Bench. All of the trade news as we enter the silly season. Paul Hazelby's hardcore analysis. He puts on his coach's hat and has a look at both of the games this weekend, where they'll be won and lost, the key matchups, and so much more as we roll through on this Friday afternoon. Great to have you with us on Off the Bench right around WA. You're listening to Off the Bench. And the silly season is well and truly underway, Paul Hazelby. Uh, Trade Radio was launched during the week uh, on the AFL website. It'll cover all of the big news over the uh, the two weeks of the trade period. And we thought it's appropriate for us to catch up with our favourite newsman, Mitch Cleary from AFL.com.au, after he broke the story yesterday that Tom Hickey had been in the West and uh, had undertaken a medical ahead of a potential move to the West Coast Eagles next season. G'day, Mitch. G'day, boys. Thanks for having me. What can you tell us about that story that you wrote on AFL.com.au yesterday? Yeah, well, the Eagles are repairing for life after Scott Lysett, and I think he's uh, all but headed to the Port Adelaide Footy Club when the Eagles' season comes to a close. And uh, yeah, they've already spoken to Jordan Ruffhead. He was in the West uh, a few weeks back, and now Tom Hickey is the latest that they've spoken to. I understand a three-year deal is being discussed between Hickey's management and the Eagles. The interesting part is that he is contracted at St Kilda, and he played 13 games this year before injury. So St Kilda have him as their number one man. Uh, he is contracted on a pretty healthy wage as well, from what I understand. They had to knock back a few offers from Queensland a few years ago. And, and now the Saints sound like they're um, pretty open to having him explore this deal. So it just shows, as you said, Benny, the silly season is well underway for a club to be allowing their number one ruckman to be talking to a rival club um, in September. It just shows how far we've come as an industry. The Gold Coast Suns, they've lost a couple of players already. One, of course, their captain, Tom Lynch. Stephen May expected to request a trade as well, but Aaron Hall, the other one, looks like he may be headed to North Melbourne. Yeah, that's the the big story uh, on Friday, Hayes, and that is that uh, Aaron Hall meeting and having a medical at Arden Street flew in. Um, he actually posted an Instagram photo, which, uh, you know, for social media trolls like Benny and myself, mm. it's uh, always good to get the tip and uh, be told of these things early. So Aaron Hall flying into Melbourne, meeting with the Roos, and I think that will be done. Now it's just a matter of working out the trade, whether it's a second or, or third round. Uh, the Roos will probably be keen to only part with a third round pick because they're trying to bring in this young academy gun uh, from Tasmania and use all their second round picks as points for that. So um, North Melbourne trying to top up. Of course, we heard earlier in the week that Nick Newman from the Sydney Swans was at Arden Street as well. And if they can get Pollock and then who knows what happens with Andrew Gaff. It could be a nice little boost for Brad Scott's boys going into next year. A little bit foolish getting on the social media, Mitch. I think uh, Charlie Cameron did that last year as he uh, he headed back to Perth and then found the uh, assembled media waiting for him at Perth Airport. So not, not the players' smartest moves, perhaps sometimes when they post things on Instagram. Uh, what about the Fremantle Dockers? Uh, interest in Rory Lobb, Jesse Hogan... Uh, will Lockie Neal stay and Reese Conker a potential return to the West in uh, in purple? Where does all of that stand for our Freo fans? Yeah, my, my read on the uh, Lockie Neal one is that every, every day goes past, the, he still hasn't committed his future to Freeman. I think he's more likely to go over to Brisbane and uh, play out a long-term deal, five or six years uh, to head up their midfield. And then we learned yesterday that Stephen May from the Gold Coast met with Melbourne. That's interesting because if Melbourne are looking to bring in Stephen May... Uh, They'll have to try and work out a deal to get that done. Jesse Hogan could be the guy. that The Demons don't have a first-round pick 
as it sits right now and that the Jesse Hogan talk just won't go away. And, of course, we know the Dockers need a key forward. Um, if they can get Hogan, then the Rory Lobb situation might fall flat. But if Hogan stays in Melbourne and sees out his contract, they'll um, probably ramp up their interests in Rory Lobb. He sees himself as a forward. The Giants have been playing him as a ruckman. And if he can go over to the... Uh, the Dockers and plan to Sean Darcy as the number one ruck and then lob, you know, pinch hitting a bit in the middle. It could be the perfect foil for Fremantle's future. He's still pretty young, a Swan Districts boy, and then uh, he's got all the attributes with his contested marking. It'd be a nice acquisition for the Dockers who are actively going after WA boys. And Reese Conquer is another, as you mentioned, Benny, uh, his season uh, with the Tigers. When that comes to a close, I expect him to. Um, you know, pursue that move uh, across the Nullarbor. Mitch Cleary with us. Uh, we'll take a break and continue this chat in just a moment here on Off the Bench around Western Australia. You're listening to Off the Bench. And we're continuing our chat with newsman from AFL.com.au, Mitch Cleary, Paul Hazelby. Yes, a lot of interest around Dylan Shield and where he will be playing next year. Had a exit meeting yesterday. And my understanding, Mitch, is he didn't request a trade at this stage. Not at this stage, Hayes, but I think uh, it's every chance to happen next week. And I think Will Setterfield, his teammate, who's a second-year midfielder, might be alongside him. We spoke before the break about Rory Lyle as well. So the Giants could have a, a big exodus uh, when they're trying to clear up their salary cap. But Dylan Shield, his manager, speaking at that trade radio launch earlier in the week, basically admitted that um, he's weighing up in two minds as to what he does for next year, and uh, that's potential to move to Melbourne. I think Hawthorne right now is the club coming loudest. Probably not as much money as what maybe St Kilda or Carlton can offer, and Essendon in that mix as well. But uh, the Lewis to play at a club that's in, in always in contention and under the greatest coach of our generation, uh, I understand is uh, a big big lure for Dylan Shield, and that's something he's got to weigh up in the next uh, week or so. He didn't say it in his exit meeting, but um, I reckon by this time next week when we're chatting uh, on off the bench, uh, Dylan Shield could well be on his way to Victoria. Is this a case of maybe the Giants happy to let him go because of the salary cap squeeze? I think so, and um, we know about this pre-agency situation. So Dylan Shield is a free agent next year. Um, If the Giants finish top four again, they're probably looking at a compensation of pick 15, 16, or the like. If they can go and get Two first-round picks now for Dylan Shield. They're, one, clearing his money off the books a year early, and then secondly, getting two first-round picks when they might only get one next year and they can start to bring in some more young talent. So um, I guess if they had their time again, the Giants, they might have restructured a few of these contracts. Uh, I think quite a few of them were back-ended, which coming into 2018 and 2019 um, is going to hurt them on the books. So there is the need for to get one at least one big name off their books, and Dylan Shield could be that guy. What are you hearing from the Sydney Swans? I think they're up to something. I think they've got a bit of money now that they've lost a couple of players. Jake Lloyd, the other one that's out of contract there, where do you see his position at? And also, do you think they may throw a big offer at somebody like a Lockie Neal? Yeah, potentially Lockie Neal. Dylan Shield is the one as well, maybe across town. We know that he's happy in Sydney. He's the He's seeing the daughter of uh, Mark Choco Williams, and he, uh, Choco keeps telling us that Dylan Shield is happy living in Sydney, so I wouldn't rule out a move across town for him. The one that keeps bobbing up that we keep getting told is not happening, but there's enough talk around is Mitch McGovern. Uh, we know the Swans have had a look at Darcy Moore. Mitch McGovern has proven this year that he um, is happy to play at both ends, or forward or defence, and then uh, with their ageing defence, that could be an option. So... The Swans are keeping their cards close to their chest, but when you hear Dan Hanabry speak at that trade radio launch 
earlier in the week, and he says that something is brewing. You can just get the sense that uh, they're up to something. Um, Gary Rowan's money will be off the books, Hanabry's and Nick Newman's as well. So they could have a million dollars to play with this year. Darcy Moore is at the top of that wish list, but if he stays at Collingwood, um, prepare for them to look outside the square. Mitch, great work. Appreciate it as always. Thanks, boys. Mitch Cleary from AFL.com.au joining us here on Off the Bench. And it is set to be a big trade period, isn't it, Hayes? I reckon upwards of 40 players could be moving clubs. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I'm excited. It gives us something to talk about on the radio every night. You're absolutely right, Hayes. It's just a 365-day-of-the-year cycle for the AFL nowadays. We've got uh, much more coming up here on Off the Bench, including the dig still to come this hour. You're listening to Off the Bench. And Paul Hazelby, there's plenty going on at your former football club, the Fremantle Dockers. They're without a list manager. They're without a football boss at the moment. They're reportedly in the game to try and recruit Jesse Hogan. Rory Lobb is of interest. They're trying to ensure that Lockie Neal stays at the club. What's your understanding of where it sits at the moment, firstly with the, the two front office positions? Yeah, look, with the two front office positions, Peter Bell has been mentioned. I understand he is down to the last two in that selection process. I'd favour him to win it. I think he brings a lot to the footy club. There are a few question marks on some parts of that role that he needs to step up and achieve. But as a whole, I think he's a proud Fremantle person. He's got good footy acumen. He's got good business acumen. And I think he's a very good communicator as well with what he's learnt through the media and through footy in his time. The list management position is an interesting one. Colin Young has been floated in that position, of course. The player manager, very powerful player manager. I don't think Colin Young will fill the position. I don't think he will either, but there are plenty out there that are throwing him up. But uh, he does bring a lot of footy knowledge. He's got good negotiation skills. We know he's very good at getting the right deal for his players, but I think there's a bit to play out in that one. In regards to Lockie Neal, now I think this has got some more to play out yet. I don't think he's ready to make his announcement. There would be a lot of clubs right now throwing money at Lockie Neal. Do you agree with that, that it wouldn't just be the Brisbane Lions? If you've got a player that is there to get, he's available, he's thinking about leaving the Fremantle Dockers because of whatever concerns he may have, there'd be a number of clubs throwing their hat in the ring. Yeah, you'd have to. So as soon as the Brisbane Lions story comes out, you'd be um, derelict in your duties if you were were another football club and you didn't realise that all of a sudden Lockie Neal is very gettable. So, yeah. And it's not as if he's moving home to Brisbane. He's a South Australian boy. So all of a sudden it looks as though he could go anywhere. I mean, the whole... Uh, every or all of the other 17 clubs are a very real possibility. So if I was a list manager or a football boss at any of the other clubs, I'd be saying let's get on to Lockie Neal's manager and see if we can entice him to come to our footy club. There's one club that I believe would really like him, and that's the Sydney Swans, who have lost Hanabry. Mm. They need another midfielder. They've got an ageing midfield with Parker and Kennedy and also Jack. He fits the bill there, but it wouldn't make sense for them because two years ago, what did they do? They didn't offer a big contract to one Tom Mitchell, who went to the Hawthorne Football Club. Look, if he does go, I think it opens up many avenues for the Fremantle Dockers to get some key position talent in the door. Rory Lobb's been mentioned. He's had his exit in... Uh, meeting with the Giants. I don't think he said anything in that meeting, but he's certainly gettable. And the other one is Jesse Hogan. Don't discount him coming home. There's many that have thought Melbourne have performed better without Jesse Hogan in the lineup. They've just had a bit more flexibility. And if Melbourne go a long way and potentially snatch this premiership, I'd be thinking that he may want to come home and this would be the time. And the Dockers will have the picks to get that deal done. What's he worth, Jesse Hogan? 
Oh, he's worth a definitely a top five pick and something else. Maybe two first rounders because he has been a very high draft pick himself. He was a number one pick essentially, and I think he's added to that. He's at the right age, and I think for the Fremantle Dockers, they would be more than happy to pay overs for a key position centre half forward type. Given last year they added some talent in the midfield with their two picks. Yeah, next stop is definitely key position for the Fremantle Dockers. The dig is coming up next. Paul Hazelby, who are you going to have a dig at? We'll find out when we come back. You're listening to Off the Bench. The dig. Dial before you dig. The essential first step. Yes, don't dig yourself into a whole lodger free dial before you dig inquiry. And Paul Hazelby, you always open the batting for us in the dig. Who do you want to have a dig at today? I'm going straight to the top. It's the AFL again, Gil McLaughlin and his team. I'm not happy with what they're trying to do with AFLX. Firstly, it didn't work for me last year. The concept wasn't great. It wasn't that well received by the general public. This year, they want to change it up again. They're already looking at changing it because it didn't work. And what they're trying to do is introduce a one-day concept whereby they select four captains, essentially. Those captains then pick their best players across the competition. So a franchise model. Like a franchise model. They're talking about a mini-draft prior to it to add to the excitement. Then they're all going to come together and play three games on the one day and the two best sides going into the grand final. I just don't like it. If you want to get the best players playing AFL, there's a concept that worked so well for many years and we're ready to have it back. It's called State of Origin. And they keep saying, oh, the players don't want to play State of Origin. Well, I bet they don't want to play AFLX either. And I'd be mm. very, very doubtful Buddy Franklin's going to put his hand up and say, yeah, Gil, I'd like to play in that AFLX competition in February. It's rubbish. Get rid of it. You've pulled back on what you did with the AFL women's game. You went hard early and you've pulled back. Don't pull back on the women. Pull back on AFLX. Put some of that money back into the women's competition or to the local leagues or the state leagues. It's not right and it's not going to work. Just cut your losses. Or state of origin. You're exactly right. If the players have to be there for a day, make it state of origin. Get them to play a proper game of footy and let's do it for real. Because and that the, would generate revenue. The West Aussies, we would beat the Vicks at the right moment. Right now, I'm we, adamant I believe about it. we would. We've got a very strong team. Look at our midfield and look at our spine. Oh, the spine. You've got so Kennedy, you, you've got Darling, you've got... Hogan, Buddy Franklin. I mean, Hogan's Hogan, probably playing on a half forward flank. Rance. Then you've got yeah, Rance, and also McGovern at centre half back. Oh, How good is that spine? That is the all Australian spine. Patrick Cripps in the midfield. Can we claim Tom Mitchell. Yeah, we do because he played his junior footy here in Western Australia and represented WA at underage level. So we would have Nat Fife. We would have Fife, Mitchell, and Cripps oh, as our followers. Who's our ruckman? Well, either Sanderlands, Nat Nui, or. Maybe Rory Lobb has to go in there and have Ooh, a pinch A bit hit. vulnerable there at the moment, aren't we, with Sandlands getting on and Nat Nui not playing. And Lobb, I'm not sure, is a ruckman. I want to have a dig at the AFL as well, Hayes. Now, it has been announced on the back of a campaign by a prominent Melbourne media personality that they will show pictures of the Melbourne cheer squad who are unable to make their way across to the game this weekend on the big screen at Optus Stadium. Now, the reason they can do that is that uh, in finals, the ground goes back into the control of the AFL. So the West Coast Eagles control all of the game day events and multimedia in their home games. But for finals, it goes back to the AFL. And the AFL have agreed to showing pictures of the Melbourne fans on the big screen. Now, I just cannot believe for a second that if the shoe was on the other foot mm. and this was the Fremantle Dockers or the West Coast Eagles playing in a big final in Melbourne, that they would do the same. They would show pictures 
say, of uh, the Frio or West Coast fans at the Camfield having a big function on the big screen to try and get the boys up. It would not happen. That is my dig. Good dig. It's just about consistency. And another example of policy on the run by the AFL. Do they listen to the show, the AFL? They do. Because we just gave them a good dig. We just gave them a fair bait. Make sure you're listening, Gil. And make sure you act on uh, what we've had to say. Uh, That is the first hour in the books here on Off the Bench. A lot of footy, very footy heavy in the first hour, as you would expect on a preliminary final weekend. Lots else going on, including some cricket. There's some golf news and... uh, A lot else. We'll cover more of that in the next hour on this Friday afternoon. Great to have you with us. It's Paul Hazelby and myself, Ben Cameron. You're listening to Off The Bench. And just like that, we're into the second hour here on Off The Bench. Great to have you with us. Paul Hazelby, the Fremantle Dockers champion, and myself, Ben Cameron. And Hayes, we spoke a lot of footy in the first hour, understandably, ahead of the prelim final action. But plenty else going on in the world of sport. And we are entering... One of my favourite times of the year. The Spring Carnival. I absolutely love it. I can't wait for all of the action. And some good news for the Grey Flash, Chautauqua. Finally jumped on the comeback trail. Yeah, for those that don't know this story, Chautauqua, one of the best sprinters in the land, just hasn't got out of the barriers in recent times. Just stands still, but today the jump out, it actually left with them. Finished fourth out of four, but uh, that's not really relevant. It's all about the jump. Still has to do it one more time. And there is still a chance this horse may get a nomination for the Everest and could start one of the favourites. But you'd be very reluctant to back Chautauqua in a race right now, just in case it didn't (laughs) jump. But a great news story. It is good to see Chautauqua back, Hayes. You're absolutely right. And the cricket is underway. I remember the good old days there would be a weekend off between the end of footy and the start of cricket. Now there's just overlap. They just get underway and uh, get rolling. And the JLT Cup has started. Now, last night, uh, South Australia had a win over New South Wales. Uh, They chased down the 241 all out in the 50th over that New South Wales set in the 39th over with seven wickets in hand. So uh, a fair old win. Jake Weatherald started his season with uh, an unbeaten 106. And he is a guy who is in for a big summer, I reckon, as well, particularly in white ball cricket. So well done to Jake Weatherald and South Australia. And before that, uh, back on Wednesday night, it was WA who had a win over New South Wales. So the uh, the Blue Baggers, not off to a great start. They needed that win, WA, because mm. they had a good lineup. But Ashton Turner, he was apparently crook throughout mm. the game, was actually curled up whilst the team was fielding. They were in all sorts of trouble in their innings, comes out and gets it done. He just smashed them 70 in quick time. So a good win to start their campaign. I did say off the top that I think he'll be my man who will have a really big summer, who, particularly Weatherall? in the white ball cricket. I think Turner. both Ashton Turner and Jake Weatherald will have a It's big... time for Turner, isn't it? He's been around for a while, but he hasn't quite taken his spot in the Australian team. Well, he's played T20 cricket for Australia. He's uh, he's around the mark. He's a very, very good white ball cricketer. So 70 of 55 with 10 fours and two sixes. He was very, very sick and really delivered. Also, the Australian team, they flew out to the UAE to take on Pakistan in their test series. And, uh, well, the top six, that is the big question. It looks as though, and this was the top six, Put forward by Ricky Ponting. It'll be Finch, Renshaw, Kawaja at three, Sean Marsh at uh, at four, 
Travis Head at five, and then Mitch Marsh likely batting at six. Is that your top six? I'd have Maxwell in there. I'd have Maxwell ahead of Head at this particular time. I'm not confident on this tour. We were very disappointing there last time we played against Pakistan in the UAE. And given the way we're playing right now, there's a lack of confidence. Maybe it's the start of something. And it needs to start now because we've got the upcoming test series against India. But well done to Finch. I'm happy for him to get his opportunity. He's gone back. He was talked about as just being a white ball cricketer. And he's worked on his craft and he deserves that opportunity. Uh, He certainly does. You're absolutely right, Hayes. So uh, well done to Aaron Finch. Uh, also, the Perth Wildcats, they had a loss yesterday in the preseason blitz to the New Zealand Breakers. So, 88 to 84. How they went down to their go? good rivals. Tariko White. Yeah. Uh, Six, 15 points. Yeah, he performed okay. I, I'm more of a uh, Bryce Cotton man. To we be love fair. Bryce. He was on fire early. Finished with 17 points. No Angus Brandt, Damien Martin. Do you think this list, given they've got Nick Kay into the team as well, and also Mitch Norton? So, two Australian representatives. Terrico White, who's come in. Terrico. Terrico White, who's come in, looks pretty dangerous. Do you think this is the year that they win another championship? Yeah, they'll be around the mark again. They always are. Uh, We've got to get to a break. More to come here on Off the Bench when we come back. You're listening to Off the Bench. Okay, Paul Hazelby, it's pure footy. None of the external noise or any of the other stuff that we talk about throughout the season. It is where is the game going to be won and lost, and that's all we care about. Uh, We'll get to Melbourne and West Coast shortly, but let's start with the age-old rivals at the MCG on a Friday night for the right to go through to the grand final. It is survive and advance. Collingwood and Richmond, where will it be won and lost? Well, naturally, you look at the midfield straight away. I think Collingwood do have the advantage through the midfield. They've got some serious A-graders, but it's the B-graders that I love from the Richmond Football Club. Well, they're not probably B-graders anymore. Guys like Lambert, who's been terrific this season. Role players that have really stepped up into that fold. We know Dustin Martin's going in with a bit of injury cloud, but the way that Richmond play, it's very stylish. They push hard forward, and a lot of it is about their small forwards. Guys like Rioli and Edwards and Castagna. We know how good Rewalt's been this year as well, and Caddy's the other one that's very important in the mix. I think the forward line of the Collingwood Football Club is the big question mark for mine. They're a smaller forward line. They've got big Mason Cox down there. But against the best defence in the competition, that of Richmond's, it's going to be hard to kick a winning score. I think Rance is going to do a great job. Then you've got the experience of Grimes and Asprey and Hooley. I think they're going to be very difficult to score against, given that in big finals, it traditionally hasn't been about small forwards, really, hasn't it? You need some key position talent to really step up. So I think that's probably where Richmond will get the advantage. The ruck battle is fascinating. Brody Grundy's going to need a big game. But Nan Curvis, he gets it done in a similar way. Around the ground he's very effective. The only concern is, what if he got injured? Then you're left with Grigg to do the rucking against potentially Grundy and Cox. Hasn't happened all year, but that is the risk you take when you only have one ruckman. Who plays on Jordan Degoe? Is it Dylan Grimes who gets the role there? Absolutely. He's the number one stopper in the competition. He just gets the job done against some of the smaller forwards and taller forwards as well. So he's a beauty. He can play on both. I think you need that too against a guy like Tagoe. He's so good in the air. He's a really good leading player, but we know he's very good at ground level as well. Okay, Hayes, give us your tip then. Who wins? Is it Richmond through to a second consecutive grand final? It is. Collingwood to challenge for the first two and a half quarters, but Richmond, they do it for four quarters and they will blow them away in the last win by 35. That's what they do, Richmond. They take you into deep water and drown you. I'll be Mm. tipping uh, Richmond to win as well by about five goals, so around a similar margin. Okay, West Coast and Melbourne, the one the majority of our friends here on Off the Bench will be interested in. 
Uh, who wins and how is it won? This game takes on a different complexion. If you look at the matchups in this game, they're quite significant. And it could come down to the individual. If we look through the midfield, I think Melbourne certainly have a stronger midfield. They're confident. They've got a lot of arrogance at the moment with the way they're playing. And they've got Max Gorn through the midfield. And his partnership with Clayton Oliver has been outstanding. Viney has given something different as well. He's hard and tough, but he accumulates possessions as well. And then they've got Jones and Harms and Petrarca and Brayshaw. So they run deep. The Eagles clearly missing Nat Nui and Gaff, and that may hurt them as this finals campaign continues. So I've got Melbourne with the stronger midfield. The Eagles, though, definitely have the better forward line. I love what they've been able to do. If they do get 55 inside 50 entries, they win. Kennedy back to his best, hopefully. Darling has shown some promise in the back half of the season. Then you've got the small brigade, and they're really delivering. Guys like Ryan, Cripps, Rioli, Lacroix. You don't know who to go to because on any given day, Ben, they can kick a bag of goals, and that's what I like about them. The Melbourne Ford line, they're not weak either. They've got some guns led by Tom McDonald. And what about Wiedemann? He's come from mm. nowhere, but he's been impressive Weed. in the absence of Jesse Hogan. And then Popped you've got their, a weed. Then you've got their smaller brigade. Good joke there, but they've been delivering as well in a different way to West Coast. Guys that are probably medium sized players that are playing a role. Melksham, Neil Bullen, Petrarca, they're going to be important. I think the main matchup. Melcham playing on Jeremy McGovern. That'll be fascinating what he does to try and drag him away. But I think in this game, Melbourne, too much firepower through the midfield. Oh, you're tipping the Ds. There you have it from Paul Hayes with a docker coming out in him. We'll come back with more next. You're listening to Off the Bench. And the Waffle Grand Final this weekend. Ubi Doobie, come on, Subi, looking to uh, win it again. Hopefully they can as they take on West Perth. Paul Hayes will be now... A good story. Now, I grew up in uh, in Kingsley in the northern suburbs of Perth, and uh, the reason I support Subiaco is that uh, my neighbour actually played development squads for them, but his dad is a diehard West Perth fan, and he swears to this day that he bought his house in Kingsley, but only after he checked that it was a part of the West Perth zone. But as his son was growing up, they changed the zones and his son went through the Subiaco development squads and ended up playing for the Mighty Fighting Lions instead of uh, the West Perth Footy Club. So uh, that is the reason I support West Perth. He couldn't convince me either to get on board the Falcons. That is a good story, but I think we're all going to be going for Subiaco this weekend. I think West Perth will challenge in this game. They've got a good forward line. They need to be dominant. Kytel and Strike probably need to kick seven between them if West Perth are to cause a massive boil over, but Subiaco so consistent. Their midfield is just so deep with talent. Of course, Horsley missed out on the Sandover Melly. Ran second, still a good effort. DeLuca's sensational feeling. You've got Kitchen and then you've got the Ruck combination of Clark and Delahunty, they're going to be very hard to stop. We know West Perth have some stars through the midfield, guys like Black and Nelson, but and Meadows, who's had a terrific season, I think might get an opportunity at the next level. But I think it's Subiaco. Given that they've lost the last two grand finals, I just can't see them not showing up. But the big difference here is up the stadium. Mm. No club's ever played there. That's got to mean something. Particularly, it may be wayward goal kicking. We saw last year Subiaco lost the grand final because they didn't get it through the big sticks enough. Missed a lot of opportunity. It could play a part, but all things being equal, Subiaco win this and win it well. How big a crowd do you think they'll get for the game? And what do you think is acceptable? So uh, I heard Gavin Taylor, the CEO of the WAFC, saying that uh, in terms of pre-sale tickets before 
grand finals at Subiaco Oval. They traditionally sold about 2,000 tickets. This year it's about 10,000. So that is a good sign, but how many roll-ups can they get on the day? I think they need to get over 25,000 for it to be a success. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be great for the Waffle to get 25,000. They've done a good job here, the Footy Commission. They've put together an event, haven't they? There's a few different things going on on the day. It may be influenced by the game on Saturday, the Eagles and Melbourne. Do you think if the Eagles win... Maybe that might mean less will show up. And if the Eagles lose, potentially more could show up. I don't know which way it'll go, but no. I know plenty would be planning for the next step, the grand final on the Sunday, trying to get things in order. I reckon it will play a part in some way. Yeah, perhaps if the Eagles lose, there's likely to be a few more people there on, on Sunday afternoon. That's the only way I can look at it. And the other big story, speaking of West Coast, is whether they will have a standalone side in the WAFL next year. Do you think they will? They will. This will be 100%. I don't think the presidents of the Waffle Clubs will be happy about this, but it will come to fruition over the off-season. It's just a matter of where they get their extra players from, their top-up players. I hope the commission makes it very difficult for them to get those players because West Coast, let's be honest, they had the alignment. They didn't make it work, and now I think they're going to go off on their own tangent. I don't think it'll be good for their football club personally because they won't be very successful, and that's not a great breeding ground to bring your players through. The other one is East Perth. How do they rebuild quickly? Do you want them to rebuild quickly? They sold their soul a few years ago, took the money, went for the alignment, and I reckon the other Waffle Clubs will make it very difficult for them to come back into finals contention. Yep, that's the way it goes, unfortunately, for East Perth. More to come. David Short with some odds, and uh, we've still got a little bit of Waffle coaching news, which we'll discuss as well as uh, plenty more here on Off the Bench. You're listening to Off the Bench. You certainly are on this Friday afternoon and one of our favourite times when we catch up with this man. You can better your bet this AFL Finals with Tab Touch. Conditions apply. Gamble responsibly. His name is David Short. G'day, Shorty. Uh, hello, Benny. G'day, Hayes. Great to be with you guys. What an exciting weekend of sport and racing we've got ahead of us. Oh, give us the odds for the AFL games. Two big clashes tonight and then tomorrow afternoon it's the Eagles taking on Melbourne. Indeed, and uh, as we look at the market right now for tonight's clash, there has been a bit of money for the Pies as the outsider. 3.15 this morning into 3.05. The Tigers have gone from 138 out to $1.40. It's as good a price as they've been all week. The line on the game sitting at 15.5 points. We've also got some really exciting combo bets to have a look at through these particular finals. A couple of options there. Martin, Sidebottom and Trelaw to combine for 100 or more disposals at $4.00. Jack Rewalt to score the first goal. Into Trelaw to have 30 or more disposals is a $14 option. And then the big one locally tomorrow between West Coast and Melbourne. $1.80 the Coasters. Melbourne at 2.05. Basically no movement in this market all week. The punters think we've got it pretty right. And the giveaway that they're expecting this to be an absolute nail-biter is the fact that the line is set at just three and a half points. It should be an absolute cracker. Uh, again, looking at a couple of the combo bets available there. Yo, Redden and Oliver to combine for 100 or more disposals at $4. Uh, and then uh, another one that looks pretty good value at $8. Kennedy, Darling or McDonald to score the first goal into West Coast to win between 1 to 24 that's paying $8. Good luck to everyone having a crack at the AFL Finals combos. And Shorty, can I put you on the spot here and ask you how much Jack Redden is paying to be the highest possession getter in the game between West Coast and Melbourne? Because I think Harms will go to Yo, and I think Redden might be the one who gets off the chain and is at least the highest possession getter for the Eagles. 
Yeah, well, so he's uh, in most disposals Group A betting. He's a $7 chance. Clayton Oliver's the $3 favourite there in front of Yo at $5.50. Shoe is $6.50. Um, nice value available about Jack Redden at 7 Angus Brayshaw's also there as a $7 chance. Yeah, there will be some interesting tagging jobs there. I think Hutchings goes to Oliver, which will limit his effectiveness. The other one there is Luke Shuey, so that's impressive. But what about the racing? Some big racing this weekend at Caulfield. Yeah, you're not joking, Hayes. Um, a cracking day of racing. The feature there, the Group 1, Sir Rupert Clark Stakes, over the 1,400 metres. is the first four jackpot of more than 129000 More than half a million dollars expected to be in the pool there. And Home of the Brave, the uh, imported galloper, has been very well backed. 450 into $4. There's money around for Osborne Bulls. It's been 6 into 550 Land of plenty of touch easy. It's 5 out to 6 and then we're out to Peaceful State at $10.11 for Invincibella. And across to uh, the big meeting at Rose Hill, the Group 1 Golden Rose, the feature there. Graf absolutely uh, flying at the moment, this Galloper. It's a $3.40 favourite. It's been well backed in from three fifty. The Autumn Sun on the second line at four twenty. Lean Mean Machine is next in betting at $5.50. But sensational racing to look forward to right around the nation tomorrow. And shorty, you'll be happy like Hayes and I. Chautauqua finally jumped. <laughs> did indeed, Benny. Maybe being back in Melbourne was good for the mm. horse today. Um, look, I'd love to see the grey flash back for another campaign. and um, It's certainly the first time in a while it's had a step in the right direction, so let's hope Chautauqua can stay uh, in, on his best behaviour and get back to the racetrack soon. Well done, Shorty. Appreciate it as always. And remember, everyone, if you're having a punt this weekend, be sure to do it with Tab Touch, a portion of every bet. Helps to fund the WA racing industry. In the last five years alone, over $500 million has been given back to WA Racing. So better your bet this weekend with Tab Touch. If you're having a punt, please do it responsibly. We'll get to a break. More to come here on Off the Bench next. You're listening to Off the Bench. And it's almost time for Paul Hazelby to depart to the pub on this Friday afternoon. But before we get there, there is a bit of a merry-go-round happening with the coaching positions in the WAFL, and it's something you've kept a, a relatively close eye on, Hayes. Where does it all stand at the moment with the West Perth position for next year, the East Fremantle senior coaching role, and more? Lots to play out here. I think at West Perth, Bill Monaghan's been there for a number of years. I'm not convinced he'll be there next year. I think Jeff Valentine may play a part in that position. Then you go to Jared Schofield at Subiaco. If he wins this year's premiership, he may be looking to go to the AFL, which could be with Port Adelaide. So there's a vacant position there, which may go to Billy Monaghan. And then East Fremant, of course, they bungled their recruiting mm. process the other day. Jeff Valentine was given the job. He then said he didn't want it. Uh, Shane Woden was told that he wasn't wanted, but now he comes back into the frame. And the other one is Mark Neald, who his daughter has just moved over to play for the West Coast Fever. So he may be on the move over here. But all reports out of Melbourne from a couple of past players, they weren't too happy with some of the methods he used through his coaching career, but a lot to play out. But I think Shane Woden will get the job down there at East Fremantle again. So do I. Just reading between the lines, I wonder if this happened, Hayes, and this isn't with uh, well, it's with a, a little bit of background information and speaking to a few people, but um, I just wonder whether Jeff Valentine was offered the East Fremantle position. He then told West Perth that he'd been offered that position, and West Perth said, no, 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 don't take that. We want you for next year, and that's the reason he knocked it back. I think Jared Schofield will win the premiership with Subiaco. He will end his time in the WAFL as a three-time premiership coach, having played in five grand finals as a coach, or coached his side to five grand finals. And I think Bill Monaghan will leave West Perth 
and go back to Subiaco where he started as a player, like you said, and will end up at uh, the mighty Fighting Lions next year. Yeah, I think Guildford also play a part in this with Valentine. That may, they may have upped their offer for him to stay there. The other part of this is the Jeff Valentine might not have been too happy with the way the whole process was conducted from East Romandle. Maybe not the most thorough process that he went through, which might have just swayed him a little bit. Okay, and then some other news uh, earlier today surrounding Tom Mitchell. If he goes on to win the Brownlow next week, and he's just about a shorter price favourite than Winks to win the medal next weekend, his management made some interesting comments today. Yeah, they did. They were trying to charge radio programs that if he won the Brownlow medal, that they would require money for his services. And Gil McLaughlin came out this morning and squashed that. Because, How much are we talking? Well, I'm not sure. It might have been $1,000 an interview, $2,000 an interview. You would have thought. But the AFL not happy with that because he will be the Brownlow medal winner. He has to go out there and do all that is associated with that. And that includes a lot of media. Apparently, he didn't know anything about it. So we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. What a season he has put together, but disappointing to hear that that it's all about the money. I think winning isn't that was... part of isn't that part of the collective bargaining agreement? That what we've learnt is that the AFL players are getting so much more money because they're going to do more media, and now they want to double dip. Yeah, they're double dipping all the time. But I think winning the Brownlow Medal comes with a heavy price tag in the long term, doesn't it? Not only for your next contract, but also for life. You're going to be available to do mm. a lot of media engagements. We're going to make a lot of money. So disappointing to hear that from, I think it was a TL, TLA group, mm. which is owned by Craig Kelly. That is something a little bit different and disappointing, I have to say as well. We'll wrap it up next here on Off the Bench on this Friday Arvo. You're listening to Off the Bench. Uh oh, sound the alarms, Paul Hazelby. A little bit of a bug going through the Richmond camp ahead of the uh, the prelim final tonight. It all adds up, doesn't it? Uh, David Asprey has been quarantined by the Richmond Football Club, kept away from his teammates. You've also got Dustin Martin, who goes into the game with an injury cloud. It all adds to it, doesn't it? Collingwood are coming hard, but I still think they'll be too strong. Asprey, very important player. He certainly is, and uh, very critical to that defensive unit that they have going. At Richmond, they've had two years where they've been absolutely blessed with their uh, their injuries. They've had none, just about. And all of a sudden, they've got Dusty under a cloud going into the prelim and uh, a bug going through the club. You think that's luck, Ben, or is that good management? A little bit of both. I don't think they flogged the players. They certainly create a happy environment with everything that they do. So you think the lack of stress almost... The stress, but also if you're doing that and you're not putting stress on your team and creating a happy environment, I don't think you're flogging your players from a training perspective. I know they don't have a big influence around the skin fold tests and things like that. They rely on the playing group to do the work that's required, but they don't push them too far. I think some clubs just go over the cliff a little bit with the performance and KPIs they put on their playing group. Okay, something else we didn't speak about today, Hayes, and it would be remiss of us not to mention the Tour Champ Championship on the PGA Tour. Tiger's back. Tiger is on the prowl. Five under par, 65. He's in, uh, well, he's tied for the lead with Ricky Fowler after the first round. Uh, a couple of big names just lurking a little way back, including uh, Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas. Uh, Jason Day is in a tie for eighth at two under par as well. And then Brooke. Brooks Kepka just a little bit further back in a tie for 12. Oh, we want him the back. Card, so. We want him back, don't we? Mm. I think I everybody's waiting for Tiger. I want him to win this and a couple more majors. He's been out for a long time, obviously with his back injury, but then there was also his marriage breakdown. I think that took a lot of confidence away from his game, but he's back now, and I think golf is better for it. Yep. 
always better to uh, have Tiger walking around and uh, around the top end of the leaderboard as well. Okay, Hayes, we're just about out of time. Give us your final thoughts. We've got two prelims to look forward to, the most pure weekend of footy. We've got Richmond and Collingwood tonight and then West Coast and Melbourne tomorrow. Collingwood to come really hard. They've got an impressive midfield, but I just worry about their forward line. So for that reason, I think Richmond will just grind them down as the game wears on. In the last quarter, they'll actually kick away. Sometimes when you know you can't win in that last quarter, you can get goals kicked against pretty quickly. Richmond by 35 in that one, and I'm going the upset here in Perth. I like what Melbourne are doing. Very good momentum team, strong midfield. I think Tom McDonald may get a bag. Good job from you, Hayes, today. Enjoy your weekend. Good calling for all of the action uh, as you watch it on Saturday afternoon. Enjoy the game today. The same goes to you wherever and however you're watching all of the footy this weekend. And if you're participating in any sport, hopefully you play well as well over uh, the two days of the weekend. A long weekend here in Perth, so the three days of the weekend. And look after your liver as well. Don't uh, drink and drive with double demerits in action, of course, right across the long weekend. And great to have your company here on Off The Bench. We'll be back next Friday afternoon. See you then. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91